In 2003, the British cycling team employed a new director of performance. Uh, his name was Dave Brailsford, and up until that point, the British cycling team had won nothing. In a hundred years, they were incredibly mediocre, to the point where some brands refused to give them equipment, afraid that them being seen using their equipment would be bad for their reputation. Uh, when this new director of performance came along, he believed in the power of marginal gains. Uh, basically, he looked to improve every smallest thing by 1%. He believed that if he did that, all of these things would compound and improve. We're talking about the usual stuff like lubrication, um, seating, size and shape, um, but also down to weird things like um, the amount of dust in the transportation van and what mattress the athlete slept on. And it soon happened after uh, years of doing this that the British cycling team went on to break nine Olympic records and seven world records. That is the power of small marginal gains. So today, we are going to talk about how we can improve our performance in the editing suite by marginal amounts across everything so that we can build up to a faster performance. We can cut faster, deliver faster, and essentially reduce our stress because we can meet these ever-decreasing timelines, time schedules uh, that are coming our way. And we can beat them and still keep our sanity and keep the client happy. And let's be honest, time is money. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the video editing podcast from Unsplice the only platform dedicated to helping self-taught video editors become pro. My name is Shiny and uh, I'll be your host and your mentor for the day. But we have one extra guest. Today we are joined by Premier Gal, also known as Kelsey. And she has a, an incredible YouTube channel where she covers all sorts of Premiere Pro, After Effects and Photoshop tips. And she is a fantastic resource. She has 400,000, like 430 something thousand subscribers on YouTube. And um, she's on Instagram. You'll find her everywhere. But she is going to share with us because she has a team working with her. And for her, turnaround is key. And I think for most content creators as well, getting the content turnaround as fast as possible is key. So... She shares with us some of the tools that she uses. She shares her workflow from the very beginning, from the moment she shoots until delivery and how she tries to save time at each point, uh, the apps that she uses and um, plugins as well. And we also talk about hardware, um, actual physical peripherals, and if they actually make a difference and um, which ones are good. But before Kelsey joins us, I just want to let you know that on December the 20th, you can join the Editing Faster 
workshop. Unsplice is hosting a, an hour, another hour and a half creative editing workshop. This time it's on how to edit faster. Most of the, um, a lot of the tricks will be within Premiere Pro, but a lot of them will be usable across software. So the keyboard shortcuts and that sort of thing will be Premiere Pro specific, but there are a lot of workflow techniques that will cover any software. So if you feel like you could improve the speed of your editing, come join us on the 20th of December. And if you miss that, you can still catch the recording because every monthly creative editing workshop that goes on is living in Unsplice Pro. Uh, so if that interests you, head to unsplice.com forward slash pro to sign up and I'll see you there. All right, let's join Kelsey. Kelsey, hi, how are you? Hey, I'm doing well, Shiny. Thanks for having me here on the video editing podcast. <laughs> My pleasure. <laughs> um, you have a, um, a very dedicated following on uh, Instagram, on YouTube, and uh, many channels. And the content you create, you specialize in, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, you specialize in editing and motion graphics and Photoshop as well. Yeah, a bit of Photoshop as well. I think, you know, we're all kind of like hybrid creators now, right? Like you just don't know one thing. I would say the specialty and the niche started in video editing and then kind of like that's the hub with like different spokes of other creative tools that I find myself using over time. But definitely Adobe Creative Cloud Suite was kind of like the main tool set that I was using at the time that I started the channel and that when I was becoming a professional. Um, of course, I, I was... I'm always been a Mac user. I've, I've loved Apple. I used to work in the retail store. I was one of those people with the shirts that was like, oh yeah, if you're a video creator, maybe you should try this MacBook Pro, Amazing. you know? <laughs> and so I've always loved Apple. So I was actually on Final Cut Pro 7 in the studio before they moved over to the FCPX or Final Cut Pro, I guess they just call it now. Yeah. Um, but when they made that switch, the, the user interface of Premiere was quite more um, natural for me. Yeah. So it just made sense that I was uh, kind of doing most of my tutorial and, you know, uh, guides, I should call uh -huh. them, in in those tools. Yeah. Yeah. Similar to me, I was started on FCP7 and then when that was terminated, migrated over to Premiere. I think it's quite natural um, for a lot of FCP7 users. And yeah. I miss it a lot. Yeah, it was weird. I actually hung on to it for several years once they terminated it before I made that migration over. <laughs> yeah, I did the same with QuickTime 7. Do you remember QuickTime oh 7? Oh my gosh, yes, yes. I remember yeah, that. Yeah, that, uh, that was good. And for those, which is probably most everyone, who uh, <laughs> have never uh, too young for QuickTime 7, it was a QuickTime <laughs> player that was just, you could export and transcode in it. You could... He, oh, it was so powerful. But uh, yeah, I know. I, I remember like holding on to that software and migrating it over when I would move uh -huh. from a different laptop. Uh -huh. <laughs> and now it's like, and now it's like forgotten, which is kind of sad. <laughs> yeah, I held on to it and yeah, passed it along until the very point where it just it was didn't 32 work. bit and then 64 bit came along and it just didn't work. Yeah. Well, at some point you have to <laughs> say goodbye. Um, anyway, today we are 
well, I'd love to pick your brains because I'd love to talk about efficiency, editing efficiency, and some like really um, tactics as well as tools and plugins to kind of help the editing process be as efficient as possible and help the editor be as efficient in their process. <laughs> um, so let's start from the very beginning and the sort of things that you do from the from the moment that you kind of you've got the footage okay you've been handed a hard drive or you you did the shoot um from that moment what things do you do to help the editing process go as smoothly as possible yeah well absolutely so like before i started premiere gala was a kind of a video producer that wore multiple hats as well and I was editing short documentaries for social video. And, you know, I would I would actually go out and shoot. So I wouldn't wait for somebody to give me the footage. I was the one recording the footage too. But, you know, I would I would create a folder structure. And this is something I developed over time where I would have a project folder which contains all the project files. So whether it's After Effects or Premiere Pro or Photoshop. And then I have a, a media folder, which is where I store the footage, the audio, the music. And then I have an output folder that I just called output. So that would be like V1, rough cut, V2, fine cut, yeah. V3, please be the final. Please, please, please <laughs> be the final. <laughs> you know, those like, you know, awful names that we would use when we were first starting out. And now I'm, yeah. I'm trying to keep like V1, V2, V3. And I like kind of never write final anymore because I never actually know until I upload if it's exactly. final. Yeah, And uh, in that folder now, I also, because I do YouTube content now, I also have a thumbnail folder inside of that where I store my Photoshop and different versions of the thumbnail because the thumbnail is very important these days, right? And I also have in kind of the root folder, now that I have an editing team, I have two editors that help me with my edits. I have a recurring assets folder. And I call it recurring assets because I couldn't really come up with a better word for it. But it's kind of like the branding folder. But in that folder, I, I you know, I put logos of sponsors we use all the time, different sound effects and tools that we use all the time. One of the tools that I use a lot, and I actually, you know, created licenses for my other editors, is the the Toco Graphics Pack by Motion Can, and it's a Motion Bro extension. So. It gives us, you know, the same big titles, the kinetic titles, social media graphics, sound effects, uh, all sorts of different elements that we can all use and we all link back to that folder so that way it stays consistent. And Great. That sounds super useful. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll put a link to that in the show notes um, because I've not heard of this and I'm, I'm keen to check it out. Yeah. It sounds like a lifesaver. Absolutely. And another tool that we recently started using is called SoundCue. It's a new application that's it's for both Mac and PC. And uh, it's by the company Pro Sound Effects. So it's Pro Sound Effects SoundCue with the letter Q. And uh, what it essentially allows you to do, they have a free plan. Uh, but basically, you can browse their free sound effects and music, and you can also browse freesound.org. I'm not sure if you've heard of that, Shiny, but it's like Creative Commons licensing some public domain sounds. So if you're just starting out, it's okay. a really great resource if you can't afford like a subscription. Nice. And uh, Is that, that kind of like the, um, the Prelinger archives? You know this one? Is that British? That's uh, No, I think it's based in Washington. Really? But, I haven't yeah. heard of that. Probably. It's very similar. 
Yeah, prelingerarchives.org, I think it is. And yeah. you can download um, uh, adverts and moving pictures from everything that's out of license, basically. So from 75 okay. years and back. Uh, oh, they wow. got some really, really cool stuff, like some 1930s wow. um, soap adverts and things like this. That's super cool. Yeah, a very similar idea of that is is to kind of have an archive of assets from the past and current ones as well. The reason why I love this app and why it's related to efficiency is that, you know, if you're a subscriber for like, let's say, Epidemic Sound or like Artlist, one of those big ones, you go to their web browser, you search, you download, you drag that track into your project panel, and then you import it into Premiere Pro. And that's like four different steps, right? What SoundCue does is let's say you have a collection of sounds or you're a subscriber of the Pro Sound Effects library, you can actually create collections of sounds that are on your hard drive and you can search for it in the SoundCue app and be like, oh, skateboarder sound. And then you can just press S on your keyboard or click this little green button that says send to Premiere Pro and it imports it into Premiere Pro wherever your playhead is and it imports the file for you in the same uh, location as your project file. And you can change that location. Mm, so nice. the reason why I like it is it's just, you know, an application where you can organize all your sounds, even if it's not pro sound effects. Let's say you've been using Artlist for over a year and you have all these amazing sounds that you've downloaded. You can create that collection and put it inside of the SoundCue app so you can just press S, send. And it's just, it's it's kind of like a, a plugin, I would say, but in the same time, it's his own app with that direct dynamic link between the two apps. Um, and it's fairly new. Like they just launched it, I think, in May of this year. Mm -hmm. um, and I did like a little getting started tutorial for them. And I listed them in my most recent video on like five free plugins for Premiere Pro, which I published recently. Okay. Really yeah. useful. That sounds yeah. amazing. It's super cool. Yeah, that for me is uh, a, a, such a pain that it's a, such a simple process, but it's laborious pulling, finding all the assets, putting them in the right place and then uh, bringing them in and also transcoding them if they're not in the right format. Uh, so yeah, that's yeah. super, super useful. It fills that gap that I've been seeing in a lot of different tools that I use. And of course... So many different software tools are creating panels inside of Premiere Pro that just make everything more efficient. For example, stock video. I mean, Adobe Stock, you can search for templates using, you know, the Essential Graphics panel. Mm -hmm. But Storyblocks recently created a plug-in panel. Um, so I was recently working on a documentary edit. And by the way, as a side note, I recently, um, while I've been like primarily just producing tutorials, I've been kind of putting my energy out there that I'm like, oh, I want to like edit more like personal projects you know i want to like edit maybe for netflix or edit i don't know just some short cool like <laughs> things you know so yeah, yeah i was yeah. uh my friend sarah snow who runs snow media co she does a lot of um projects for clients and they use storyblocks so i downloaded the storyblocks um panel and i was just searching for some stock video because i needed to use some stock video clips and I just searched right there in the panel and it automatically downloaded into my project panel and it was just so more efficient Amazing. than going into the browser. Same sort of concept as SoundCue. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And, uh, what format does it bring? Uh, what format of video 
does it bring it in? You can choose in Storyblocks, oh, awesome. which is nice. So you can choose the HD MOV or 4K MOV file, which is ProRes, yeah. or you can use the more compressed version, which is great because if it's a social video, you don't really need ProRes. So sure. I usually download the smallest version possible, which yeah. really compressed some of their files that are just in HD and .mp4, H.264 codec. It's just six megabytes or something yeah, sometimes yeah, i'm tiny. like hell yeah let's get the six megabyte <laughs> the same <laughs> to get the same space right yeah yeah exactly um man that's super that's super useful yeah and this kind of reminds me of uh frame <clears throat> excuse me frame you know frame.io of course yeah of course um which is you know even it got bought by adobe fairly recently yeah even way before that it was using it and it's just amazing how that fits into the in interface as a plugin and for anyone that doesn't know what it is it's um, a review a work in progress review tool so you can upload your send your export from the timeline upload it to frame send a link to the client and then the client can comment on the video and then all comes down into your timeline uh, in Premiere, and you can just work from there. It's yeah, and massive. it's not a plugin anymore because it was bought by Adobe. Now, when you go up to Window, you can select Review with Frame, and it's built in, which is really yeah. cool. Amazing, yeah. so good. Um, so we've run through a huge list of uh, <laughs> of yeah. I can keep going. Things. I can keep going. <laughs> Great. No, Leah, <laughs> we're going to. <laughs> um, so that takes us kind of up to the point of like building the edit. Um, what do you recommend in terms of like, so let's talk a little bit about building the edit. Um, Absolutely. With a blank timeline, you've got all uh -huh. of your assets in now. Um, uh -huh. How would you go from here, the best way of creating an, an edit? Yeah, so I mean, it depends on the edit that you're working with. In terms of my YouTube edits, like I try to make them as efficient as possible. And usually I'll end up making like a step-by-step -step guide. I'll kind of walk through. I don't do like a full script. I don't use a teleprompter, but I kind of list out points and kind of practice my and prepare all my assets. So the recording is as concise as possible. Usually my recordings are sometimes between 20 and 40 minutes, sometimes a little bit longer. And that way... I'm as concise as possible. I know what I'm going to say so my editors don't hate me where I'm like, uh, uh, uh. Sometimes there's like, you know, somebody walks by or the dog barks or something and I have to pause or there's like an airplane or a siren in the background so I have to pause. But generally, I try to make it as efficient as possible. And as I was saying before, we make our project assets like very clear with recurring assets and use these panels to make it more efficient. But generally, if I'm editing one of my YouTube edits, which I still do on occasion, I'll, you know, drag and drop. Uh, I kind of use multicam because I do have a screen recording and my main camera at the same time. Um, but we don't actually use multicam because it's just two angles. So what we end up doing is just dragging the video clip and the corresponding screen recording clip and sync and uh, control lasso and select them and synchronize. So that way we get everything in the timeline. Once it's synchronized from there, you know, it's just kind of going through the edit really fast and cutting out the ums and the blinks and the pauses and the things that aren't necessary. Uh -huh. And after that's done, that's when we go in and add uh, the graphics and we add, you know, we do a little bit of color grading to make sure the lighting is good. And after that's done, sound, a little bit of grooming, 
Um, I use a couple plugins, which sadly don't exist anymore. There's one called Accusonus that just stopped. Like it was very weird. I was like actually planning some like collaborations with them. And then like two months later, they're like, actually, we're decided to move on to other things. And I'm like, what? I love wow. your tool. <laughs> and uh, it's a, like a voice leveler. So I apply the voice leveler at the track level and a noise remover and like a mastering special attract, uh, track, special effect. What is it called? Mastering. It's under special effects. And it's actually not a plugin. It's built into mm-hmm. Premiere yeah. Pro. Yeah. And once that's done, it's just kind of like... Uh, making sure like there's no errors on the export. And this is like a pretty smooth process. But if you're doing something like a documentary, which is something I recently did, it was actually almost a hour and 40 minute interview. And so in that case, what I did is it, this actually had two different angles and had one, you know, good sound uh, track. So what I did is I ended up doing multicam first to get the angles together. And I also did color grading first on the source level, which is actually really useful to do. And this was shot on two different cameras in the log format. So what I did is I used these free LUTs that are from uh, this website. Gosh, I forget the name of it. I have a blog post. If you actually just search, if you Google like free LUTs, like free Mm -hmm. conversion LUTs from log to rec 709, my blog will come up probably in the first three results, I'm guessing. Okay, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so you can find it, and they're free. So I actually applied these conversion LUTs to the Sony S-Log2 and to the Canon Log. And then from there, I just kind of did a little bit of finessing with Lumetri Color to make sure the colors were the same. So from there, like the master clips are color graded, right? They're the same. Easy. So from, easy, yeah. right? So yeah. once that's set up, then it's I kind of duplicate that multicam sequence and I create what is called the cut down. So I just go through, I listen, I, uh, you know, if there's a section on a topic, I'll like last one select all those clips and, you know, label it like red. And I'll put like a marker saying this is the part where they talked about this part of their life. And I would go through and just categorize it by color. And then from the cut down, I then duplicate that sequence and create what is called the selects which are the sound bites that I think are going to really build that story. And from there, I start to reorganize the selects to, to build up that story. And once that's done, that's now it's the fun part. Now it's adding the B-roll on top mm-hmm. and yeah. adding any graphics and, and the sound design from there. So that's, I, I'm guessing there might, it might be similar for a lot of editors out there, but usually the most strenuous and time-consuming part is going through that edit and categorizing the selects. You can use the text panel now, which is a little bit helpful, where you can transcribe the cut down to like quickly find something. And sometimes it doesn't transcribe it perfectly. It's still getting there, but it's it's still really useful. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's Mm. useful. But I I found that I didn't quite use it that much. Um, Usually when I'm editing, I try, when I'm in the stage, I'll try to get the cut down done all in one sitting. Because if I wait a day, then my brain forgets where those selects were. So yes, yes, same. <laughs> it's a really good tip, actually. Like even if you have to stay up to like three a.m., it's like just get it done because it's going to take more more time in the future if you don't finish it all in one go. Yeah, there, there's a, there's some tactical use of sleep, um, yeah. and I think you know once you once you've watched the the selects or, or the rushes, you're you're really really familiar with the dialogue. Um, 
that's the good time to go, oh, that would be good. Oh, I've got, they talk about this later on. We can bring that earlier um, and then create it. It's just like a, a stream of consciousness and then go to sleep because yeah. the next time you come to it, you'll be like, oh, no. Oh, yeah. oh, that, oh well, that's great. Oh, and then you realize uh, you can kind of like build out a, a better edit from your kind of stream of consciousness first first try. Yeah, yeah. It's really interesting that you mentioned um, the when you're creating tutorials that you don't use multicam um, and you just synchronize the two clips. Uh, why is that? I find that multicam, at least for me, well, actually, technically, we have three. Well, lost my elbow there on the desk. Oh, nice. um, there's like three layers, actually, because I'll duplicate my talking head and put the mask around it so I'm a talking head in the corner. And I find it just performs okay. a little bit faster. Uh. When we use multicam, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just something with the programming of the software, but it, it lags a little bit more because uh. it's, I don't know. It just, I think it just I know works what better. You mean. It yeah, just works I, better. I think because you got the option with the uh, program monitor and uh -huh. the source monitor, you can choose to have the multicam to see all of the cameras in your multi-camera sequence. So probably in the background, even if it's not visible, it's like playing back every single camera angle. Yeah. Um, what we do why. is if I'm not using the screen recording on a certain section, which is usually on, you know, video layer two, we will uh, right click on that section and disable it. So it's yeah. just disabled. Um, so we kind of work well with that. And I don't know, I guess I need to talk with uh, Stephanie and Rickard, my editors, to see if they actually prefer using multicam. I didn't ask them if they prefer it or not, but for them, they were kind of like, it doesn't matter. I mean, it's just two angles. Yeah. It's not like it's five angles. So Exactly. Yeah. I don't think it's a, it's either here or there. It's like a personal preference thing. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just, a, it's really interesting to hear because yeah. with editing, you know, as you know, there's so many ways. There's like a, there's a thousand ways to skin a cat, as they say. All that really matters is the end result and how you do it is um, really down to personal preference. Yeah. So it works well for us. I mean, I tried multicam a couple times and I didn't really notice like a huge difference. Um, I still need to have that other layer, that duplicate of my talking head on top. You can make the talking head part of the multicam sequence, which is interesting. What you can do is you can uh, basically duplicate that clip, put it into a sequence, put a mask around it already so the background's transparent. And then when you create your multicam, you'll include that sequence as a third angle with your mask. So you can still use multicam with a masked angle, which is kind of an interesting approach to nice. do it. And it's yeah. actually probably cleaner to do it that way. Um, but at the same time, it's like you still need to duplicate that because you need to see that angle plus the other angle beneath it. So it's almost like that third angle needs to have the screen recording a part of it in the in the sequence. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's there's many different approaches, but that was another one that I've tried out before as well. Okay, fantastic. And so uh, now we've reached the point where we've we've built out the edit and we've thrown on the B-roll, we've done sound design. Um, is that pretty much the end point of uh, how, you know, your efficiency hacks, let's call them, I hate the word hacks, tips. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, it's, I mean, well, I use actually a few different review tools in it, and I've used them in the past. Um, I, I actually first was using Whipster, which has really cool like on-frame selection. So you can actually just click on the video and it, you can like create drawings right away versus frame. You have to like go down to the bottom and select the annotation tool and then annotate. So I, I started out using Whipster and that's what I was using in the beginning when I was first doing client projects because once the edit is done, I still need to get that approval, right? And that's what we were talking about briefly before when you mentioned frame. So usually I'll just, you know, export it out, whether it's using the panel for Whipster or Frame.io and send it off to the client and they can leave that time-coded feedback just to make sure everything looks good or see if there's any typos. I do the same thing with my editors. And because with Frame, you right now the free plan, which gives you 100 gigabytes free with your Adobe Creative Cloud account, you can only have one so other. Good. It's great, but you can only yeah. have one other collaborator. So I have Rickard with me on Frame.io and then with Whipster, I have Stephanie because I need three and I just didn't want to pay for an upgrade, which <laughs> is kind of cheap of me to do, but no, yeah. not at all. <laughs> so that's what I ended up doing. Um, so I have a Slack channel as well, which helps with efficiency, by the way, on that theme. So I have a Slack channel. We have an editing channel where I like share like new tools that will help with efficiency. Mm -hmm. And then I have like a private channel for both Stephanie and Rickard where we can, where basically I get notifications. Like there's an integration with Whipster and there's an integration with Slack, with Frame.io. So if I leave comments on my, the Frame.io edit that uh, Rickard edited, he'll see all my comments that he needs to do. Um, and it's directly in the Slack channel. So he can see when I left comments and he can go in and make a fix and re-upload a new version. And once it's approved, it's like, at least for YouTube, then it's the stage of, of planning uh, the thumbnail and everything that's going in the description box and adding YouTube course, chapters yeah. and all of that. Yeah. And uh, how would you say going back um, a few years to when you were kind of just started creating content for YouTube to now and your process and how it's evolved and, you know, got better over the, over the years, that's how much time do you think it used to take you and it takes now well now i mean now it's just so much more efficient because i've gathered all these tools and kind of realized the power of using shared projects in the cloud so now i'm uh, I pretty much store everything on dropbox and just have a, a team plan where we can like upload and share assets and when I'm editing, I'm actually editing directly from Dropbox, which is really cool. So if he finishes cool. an edit or, or or Stephanie, she finishes an edit and, you know, I need to like go in and make a quick fix, I can open up that project file and everything will connect, you know? I don't have to Perfect. be like, oh, Stephanie, send, send it to me. And they're actually based in LA and I'm over in Europe. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> so like that would be bad if something was disconnected because then, you know, we're not on the same time zone. So yeah. I've definitely streamlined my process and before it would take me, I would be up so late at night and I would be so drained and I started to not enjoy the process. So even if you're at that point where you're like, I don't know if I can hire somebody or it'll just, it'll help you grow faster and it will take away that, that pain of knowing that you filmed and will cut into your personal time, your family time and uh. just overall that switch that I made of like letting go of the edit a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
And like, I, it was good that I had that process because I was able to identify how can I make my edits more concrete rather than like doing it off the cuff. I did a little bit of pre-planning first, created and all the demo assets beforehand. So it's just much more smooth process. So while I was pretty efficient still at editing, it was just kind of like on these random hard drives. I wasn't as organized and the project panel looked very scary. <laughs> and now it's just more i can just kind of let it go and once i once i film it which is just such a relief yeah great it's uh it's a it's a flow isn't it you just kind of like yeah get into after a lot of repetition yeah like with yoga you know it it doesn't necessarily get easier you just get better at hiding the pain (laughs) that's a that's actually my motto for life (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's what a yoga teacher said to me once. I, I used to be like a huge practitioner of the Bikram hot yoga. And I I did it like consistently for like six years. And I just loved it. It was like this meditative flow. And one of the teachers said like, it's not like it gets easier because like you're in this like 105 degree Fahrenheit, you know, dripping sweat, like in these oh, yeah. postures, like tangled up. She's like, yeah, it doesn't get easier. You just like get He's right, like blocking out the noise, like take that into your life, you know, and yeah. uh, it's the same thing like editing, like a lot of people are like, oh, like, how do you get faster in editing? And I'm like, it still takes a damn long time. Like you yeah. still have to like watch the footage and like get through it, you know, mm-hmm. um, and you just get better at identifying like sound bites and like ha- trusting your instinct more. Yeah. And that's just that's that's what I call when you get to that level. It's called like the editing sixth sense, you know, mm-hmm. It's like you have to develop, it's, it's like true, yeah. rather than seeing yeah. dead people, you see the truth. <laughs> you see you see through the, the edit and you're like, oh, that's, I'm definitely going to use that sound point. And you just start to like yeah. know what is trash and what is what is brilliant in yeah. when you're creating your selects. That's it. And there was a point where I was cutting so many commercials that were kind of all in the same style, um, just because that's like uh, what was coming my way. Maybe I got pigeonholed, but um, it just became so easy to be able to look at all the rushes and just uh, pluck some moments that I knew would be perfect next to the shot I've got there. I don't even need to be like, try a few things. It's like, okay, yeah, that one will go there. That one will go there. That one will go there. And then you play it back and it works. Um, and, but, you know, you, you can't yeah. really teach <laughs> that entirely. There's portions of that you can teach, but really it is a muscle. It is helpful to kind of look at the structure. Like if you're interested in editing or you want to improve your process, you can watch really well done stories and kind of see how they build that story up. And that way you can start to think about, you know, the exposition, kind of the setup or creating that intrigue and not giving too much information and kind of like the different tactics they use to like build suspense. Like even in the short documentary edit I did where it was like it and the documentary is a it's actually a series of um, kind of warrior survivors of breast cancer. And it was kind of about like the diagnosis. So you kind of start out with like a, a sound bite of something powerful and then use one of those sub woof uh, and then the fade out. And yeah. like you can start to like watch and. You know, obviously you don't want to be too cliche, like kind of those reality series where it's like they say something and there's like a sound, a, a sub bass sound 
like every like 30 seconds you're like okay this is not that traumatic like uh-huh. let's stop yeah. this so you can kind of like you have to be a good storyteller when you're an editor like you you have to know uh-huh. that like it's almost like you're a writer right in yeah. a sense but you're using clips to tell your story so you really need Close. to like study storytelling and uh-huh. kind of live a little bit too so you know what yes. makes a good story right yeah that's it it is something that can be taught and it can be learned um and i think a lot of editors are scared to be like i just i don't really know how to tell a story but um it can be it can be learned it can be taught and it's when you actually understand it it's very formulaic um but yeah. not in a bad way not in a this i know exactly what's coming kind of way but like you know a beginning middle end that's you know that trope exists because it's true you need all those things for a good story yeah absolutely and then and then once you know the rules that's when you can break them right yeah. and you can kind of play around with storytelling like i don't know if you've watched better call saul it's like a uh-huh. new series i'm well it's not new but you know the extension of breaking bad and i'm on season three now and i've been meaning to watch it for a while and it, it at the beginning of every season it starts um from a different time and they use black and white um and they kind of start different episodes at different time where it keeps you guessing because they do transitions between the current time where somebody shuts the door and then somebody's opening a trunk and it was from uh, 10 years earlier but they don't actually put that on screen right they you you, cool they keep the viewer like you you kind of want to treat the viewer as intelligent like you don't want to treat your viewers Uh as dum-dums you uh-huh. want to keep them as kind of like very keen, intelligent, like, ooh, what's going to happen, you know? And you kind of have to treat it like that. And um, as you start to become a good editor, um, you can start to see those things when you're watching things. It's actually, a, it's a curse uh, yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> you start to just watch the editing all the time. Like, oh, that was a sick transition. I'm, and then Ani's like, I'm trying to like watch this. Like, that's like a viewer. Like, um <laughs> So I, I once you once you see it, then it's just like you can't unsee it, and it's I love I I love watching it from an editing perspective though. I think yeah, it's fun. Yeah, same. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because I kind of I guess what's gonna happen, even if I don't say it out loud, and then and then when it happens, I'm like it's. I it right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. But before we wrap this up, I wanted to bring it back to um efficiency, and um I was wondering if you had any hardware or ex- extra tools that you use or that you think bring an extra added element of efficiency to your workflow? Mm, I use a, a screen recording software for Mac only, unfortunately. It's called Capto, and it's really, really useful. I can uh, create a selection of my screen or just do like a 1920 by 1080 or 4K and I can record directly with my uh, USB mic. And this mic is actually super tiny and it plugs in directly into my laptop by a USB-C. Uh-huh. And um, I just make sure that the volume is set at the correct level for the input. And that way I have my good audio already synced with the screen recording. And I have my camera set up you know, just here on the right and I have a little... Um, monitor on top so i can see myself and that was a game changer for me because using the small like lcd screen uh sometimes you miss a few things and it Mm -hmm. just helps with the visuals um 
you could if you wanted to, and I have tried this, you can get a capture card um, and record your camera directly into your computer. If you wanted to do that using like QuickTime Player, you can actually record the input from there. Yeah. But I just use the SD card and pop it in right after I film. Um, what else do I use? Google Docs. I mean, it's very useful. That's where I make yeah, my notes yeah, of and course. Yeah. have it here on screen. Yeah. Um, do you have any peripherals? I have this, um, which is like my lifesaver, the Shuttle Pro V2. Oh, I don't know if you've seen this. I have v used it, and I didn't really find it that useful for my workflow. They okay. Said, they said it to me before, and I did. I did enjoy it, but yeah, shortcut keyboards. Talking about keyboards, I have used uh, shortcut keyboards. I've used uh, what is it called? Loop Deck for color grading. I have the oh yeah, loop, the Loop Deck, the creative one. It's like the little yeah. palette, and um, I've I've used that for like quickly like going through the timeline or setting like you know shortcuts like export LUT or export yeah. video. Um, so yeah, there's so many different things that you can use. Um, and I really like wireless keyboards and, um, that's, that's something that I'm working on right now to create something that can create efficiency for other editors. Okay. Tell me more about that. Yeah. So, um, a partner that I've been like working with in the past where they make some microphones and keyboards, it's called editors keys and it's actually based in the UK and we came together um, about a year ago and we're like, hey, like, you know, do we want to like collaborate on a keyboard? Because uh, some of their backlit keyboards that they have, they're wired and the colors are like kind of like too colorful, like uh, to the point yeah, where the it rainbow ones doesn't look as aesthetically pleasing. But mm -hmm. I but I really like the keyboards they had. And one time they sent me a, the wired keyboard with the backlit. Uh, and it had a little gal logo on it and they did it especially for me. And I was like, oh, that's so that's sweet, cute. you know? Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah. maybe other people would want to have something like this, but I'm not quite sure if this is the right keyboard. So we came together, played around with like different color palettes, made sure that all the uh, default shortcuts are on the keyboard, which if you're an editor, I know that you probably do set custom keyboard shortcuts, but all the default sure. ones, generally, I don't really change those unless it's like, one that's like kind of I would never remember, but generally I keep mm, all of same. the defaults. Yeah. yeah and then you can same. add more on top of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which, yeah, exactly. Which you remember as you go along, right? Yeah. So this new keyboard, which is currently kind of like in the pre-release stage, it's like a wait list. You can go to premiergal.com slash keys to join the wait list. But maybe by the time this podcast is out, it will be available uh, for purchase. But essentially, it's using the the color palette of Premiere Pro, so like the logo colors plus the yellow that I use in my videos all the time. So you could like if something is requires you to press Shift or like Option, it has a a yellow indicator on that key that it requires you to press the Shift or the Option first. Oh, nice! So it helps guide you through that. So everything has a functionality on there. And my favorite part is that it's PC and Mac. So it's a hybrid. Awesome. So where it says um, it has command and control, and it also has option and the alt key for PC users. So that way people aren't like, oh, well, I need the PC version. It's just mm, like mm. one going. If, you, if you're amazing. a hybrid user, yeah. then it's perfect yeah. for you. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm working on a job at the moment. I'm a Mac user, but I'm working on a job, and the, it's a remote. I have to re- remotely uh, connect, and they're PCs, and my keyboard's just like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like okay, I gotta retrain my hands now. Um, so that's super, super useful. Yeah, so very, very excited for it, and it's it's wireless, and you can plug it in if you want to, um, because it has that USB, just like a Magic uh, Apple keyboard, same yeah. sort of thing. And yeah, yeah it's, you connect by Bluetooth, and it once you charge it up, it should last for several months before you have to charge it again. Oh, amazing. So. Yeah. It sounds like the dream keyboard, to be honest. I really hope that it takes off, and I've I've gotten some great feedback. I mean, I shared it on Twitter just yesterday, actually. It's very new, and um, I did an Instagram story, yeah. and it seems like a lot of people really like the design, so um, I hope it I takes off. I saw a picture, and it's beautiful. It's so elegant, and uh, that's my worry about the editors, you know, editing keyboards in general. They are They just don't fit with this kind of, like, uh, minimalist aesthetic that I enjoy and I think uh, a lot of other people do like a tidy desk is a tidy mind I can't work if there's yeah like, a lot going on if it's busy and so those editing keyboards with the um, with the rainbow colors didn't fit my aesthetic so for and sure when I saw the picture of yours and uh, my jaw dropped it's beautiful it still has a little bit of flash of color but the best mm-hmm. part is is most people I mean I I know a lot of editors that you know edit late at night and it's backlit so you can like see the keys if you need it and you know some people you know you may after time you may not even look at the shortcuts right uh-huh. it just looks uh-huh. nice yeah. right and then if it, if that's the case then it worked <laughs> there you go <laughs> yeah. it's just getting started but yeah it's a very niche product um but i've been wanting to do a product for a while and i couldn't figure it out um and then this just seemed like a perfect fit i mean premier gal premier keyboard come on yeah, right. makes sense yeah it makes absolute sense so premiergal.com forward slash keys. Is that exactly. right? Exactly. Yep. Perfect. All right. Head there if you want to check it out. Uh, thank you so much for your time today, Kelsey. Oh, you're welcome, Shane. It was a great conversation. I love it. Yeah. It's been, I mean, it's going to take me a while to write up all the notes and put all the links to everything we spoke about. <laughs> but uh, it's really much appreciated. Where can everybody find you? You can find me on YouTube, youtube.com slash Premier Gal. Uh, my handle on Instagram and TikTok is at Premier underscore Gal. And same on Twitter, the underscore between the two words. Amazing. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you, Shiny. Cheers. See ya. Well, I don't know about you, but I find that super useful. And some of those apps I am definitely going to be using going forward. I've put some links in the show notes so you can find those apps specifically. I think SoundQ sounds like the one that I'll probably implement um, the soonest. Seems really, really useful. Having a dedicated app with all of your sound effects and sound effects in the cloud, not bogging down on your hard drive, that you can just seamlessly drop into Premiere whenever you like. Super useful. I'm going to be using that. And if you are looking for more techniques to help you speed up your editing, then come join us on December the 20th live for a creative editing workshop um, in Unspiced Pro where you can learn keyboard shortcuts uh, as well as you'll learn how to assemble your edit in the fastest way possible, some um, workflow techniques, tips, and also some tricks 
when you are playing around with clips on the timeline because once you have a full timeline it can be a little tricky to make the smallest changes so we're going to be talking about some tips to help make that process a lot easier unsplice.com forward slash pro if that interests you otherwise i'll see you next time thank you take care bye